thanks for joining us again. This is Evan from 49ers Hub, also Hubcast. Uh, bringing on an old friend of the podcast. We have Benjamin Albright on tonight. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Doing good. I appreciate you jumping back on. Uh, you know, football's finally back, so I figured uh, what, what better – what better person to bring on the pod than uh, a, a very knowledgeable person in all things football? Well, let me know when he jumps on. <laughs> well, he'll be on in like three minutes. Give me some time. <laughs> I just need you to keep me busy until then. Um, no, right. All things, all things serious. I was, you know, I think about a week ago that some of the reports that came out uh, uh, about, um, you know, Chris Harris and Emmanuel Sanders and stuff, and about what better, what better way. Um, to, to kind of talk about those things and potential trades and, and mutual interest between the two teams and the connection the teams have um, then bringing you on. But first and foremost, you know, you've got an, a, a new gig recently, uh, and obviously you're kind of staying busy with a, a bunch of gigs all the time, but kind of tell everybody where, where you're at now, what you're doing, and where to find you. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find the same dumpster fire as always over at Albright NFL uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can unfollow me there um, if you want to uh, listen. I'm doing the show Broncos Country Tonight, which is a partnership show with the Denver Broncos on iHeart. You can find it on the iHeart app or uh, streaming at uh, KOAColorado.com, BroncosCountryTonight.com, 94.1 FM in Denver, and um, there's like 38 states and three countries. I think you can hear us in on 8:50 a.m. Uh, and that's that's the most of it. That's uh, locally you can catch me on TV on uh, TV 20 every night from uh, 637. Yeah. And then, of course, like uh, something I always suggest, if you want to grab like a nice glass of scotch, maybe a joint if you're into weed, whatever it is, just kind of dive into Benjamin's uh, mentions and really just ride the wave because it's a it's usually a treat. Has it slowed <laughs> down with the NFL season season starting and people more focused on football? Uh, yeah, once football season rolls around and the trolls kind of, you know, back off a little bit, um, it gets a little bit better. It's been, uh, this month has been up and down. It's uh, last couple of weeks have been better. Yeah. Usually, usually it's something I notice, and it's always a fun ride, but I mean, yeah, football is back. So let's kind of talk for me. I'm kind of curious about the Broncos, right? And, uh, a team at the beginning of the year, we're sitting there thinking, we're like, Hey, you know, maybe this is Joe Flacco's revival. Uh, they've got some great receivers, right? They've always had good receivers there since, you know, like the Peyton Manning days. Cortland Sutton's looking for a breakout year. Emmanuel Sanders is going to take some time to heal, but once he does, he's always a pretty sure bet. Um, you know, removal of Demarius Thomas. You've got that running game coming back from last year where Philip Lindsay went nuts and, uh, you know, the running back from Oregon. Uh, obviously was a good second piece. So there was a lot on the offense to be excited. And then you obviously had Bradley Chubb, Von Miller. So much hype. I think a lot of high expectations. Kind of walk us through the first four games and kind of what's happened so far, why you think it's happened, uh, and how it happened. Well, you know, it's just a, it's kind of one of those situations where you just have a whole bunch of little things go wrong. And um, you know, ultimately that adds up to losses. I don't think that anybody thought this team was necessarily a Super Bowl contender, but I think, um, you know, a lot of us thought 500 was certainly attainable, maybe a little higher. Um, and I, I think that there's been a couple of things over the last, you know, John Elway's tenure, the, the offensive line hadn't seemed to have been a priority. Um, 
until recently, they've added some some high dollar free agency on the uh, free agent pickups on the right hand side. Um, and, you know, those have been hit or miss with their health on the left hand side. You've had Garrett Bowles, a, a top draft pick, which didn't work out. And, um, you know, of course, they got Dalton Reisner and Connor McGovern. Those two seem to be pretty solid. But, um, you know, I think that's that's the main function on the offensive side of the ball. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you've had some some thin out in the in the depth department in various areas, specifically at corner over the years and uh, inside linebacker. They switched to a new scheme that requires your inside linebackers to be more athletic and in coverage. And, you know, they got a bunch of bodies that are kind of downhill guys. So, you know, I think there's, um, I, th- I think there's some, some areas they need to shore up on the roster, but overall, you know, this team's records 0 and 4, but they're not an 0 and 4 team. And I, you know, everybody always talks about that stupid Parcells quote that your record is what you says you say it is, which is the dumbest quote on earth because uh, it completely ignores context, but um, it's, you know, it's just a team that's had go-ahead touchdown drives twice inside of two minutes, inside a minute and a half, and come away with two losses. Um, <laughs> you know, in the, the opening game of the season, they're a drop touchdown and a sack that took them out of field goal per, uh, range away from winning that game. Uh, game two, 30 seconds left, they score, uh, go-ahead touchdown, two-point conversion, and then they lose that game. Uh, and you get the Packers game, and uh, they they lost that one. There were some plays they could have made. They had a touchdown call back off a uh, off a holding penalty, and um, they doinked an extra point. You know, they make those, and, and all of a sudden we're having a different conversation. That fourth quarter, it's a one score game. Uh, and then you know you come to the Jacksonville game where they score with a minute and a half left, and uh, <laughs> and lose. So you know it's it's a team that I think is better than people think it is, but it's also a team that's in transition. Uh, they've moved defensively from being a send the house. Um, you know, send as many at the quarterbacks, play man coverage, maybe uh, cover one, but mostly cover one, cover zero, um, and send the house at the quarterback to being a Vic Fangio defense, which I think most of you know is an underfront and drops everybody back into zones and, and sends four usually at the quarterback, uh, hoping that they'll get home. And so uh, there's some adjustments defensively, uh, getting used to that scheme. I think it benefits some of the players and some of the others it doesn't. And then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, you bring in Flacco. you got a new offensive coordinator. Everybody's kind of get used to each other. But the offense hasn't been bad. Uh, they haven't come away with points uh, up until last game. But, you know, they were fifth in the NFL in yards per drive. They moved the ball quite well. Um, say, like, this is Joe Flack, one of his best starts to an NFL season in a long time. He's actually on pace to set personal best in almost every mark but touchdowns right now. Um, you know, his yards per attempt, completion percentage, uh, and uh, you know, overall yardage. Uh, I think he's I think he's on pace for personal bests, if not cl- very very close to personal best in every category. So, uh, Flacco isn't the problem here. Uh, the line has failed to protect the times. Uh, both receivers are ranked in the top ten in Pro Football Focus. Um, which is interesting because uh, they're the only team in the NFL with that going on right now. Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders, the Broncos, the only team with two receivers in the, um, you know, ranked uh, graded out as top 10 right now. So that's, that's, I guess, interesting, but yeah, I, I think it's a team. that's a lot better than people think it is. It reminds me of the 2017 chargers, you know, a team that started 0 and four, they kept shooting themselves in the foot with missed field goals and penalties and things like that. Uh, defensively, they were switching schemes. They were going from uh, John Pagano to Gus Bradley, uh, and they had some growing pains with that. And they kind of turned it on 
right around week five. So we'll, we'll see if this Broncos team kind of has that same parallel. I don't know that it, it will or won't, but it just kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, it's, and it, like I said, it's an interesting dynamic. Like, I, as you know, I've been a 49ers fan for quite some time. So the last couple of years, I've seen some teams, you know, a team lose a lot of games. And there was not as much bright spots in those losses than it seems to be for the Broncos. But there we are. We're at 0-4 for the Broncos team. And kind of leads me to the conversation we're having right now. It's no, you know, it's no surprise. It's not a secret. John Lynch used to be a Denver Bronco. He is very good friends with John Elway, and he has a lot of good relationships in the, uh, you know, in the Denver Broncos team. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's been known to make trades uh, throughout the NFL. He, he traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Uh, he's swapped. Uh, players to get uh, Lakin Tomlinson from the Lions, who ended up actually playing some games and doing well. So he's a guy that you kind of expect to uh, to make those moves. And the Broncos right now are probably in in a, in a situation where they might need to make some moves. Other than you know the secrets that you hear that I'm not allowed to know, are there some things that you kind of uh, expect to be a possibility, or what what's kind of the Broncos' plan right now? Well, I don't think they're really planning on moving anybody right now. They've had a couple of inquiries, but I think they feel like that they're um, they're a team that's close to being competitive, if not, you know, there uh, with just a few breaks. I don't think that that's the way they're looking right now. Now, if they pick up two or three more losses in a row, then, yeah, they'd, they'd be sellers at the deadline. But they kind of have a plan that they're going to be competitive this year. And then, you know, their big ticket items are all free agents at the end of the year. So um, and, and they plan on letting them walk. Um you know, guys like Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, um, you know, those are those are high contract items. Ron Leary uh, and, and they'll probably get decent contracts on the open market, which will help load the Broncos up with compensatory picks and getting those back. So that they're kind of looking at this offseason as one. They're not really going to attack free agency much. They'll attack the draft and and hopefully rake in a bunch of compensatory picks. Um, that's their philosophy anyway. Uh, if they were to lose a bunch of games, they might be sellers. As far as being sellers, though. You know, I really don't think that they're going to be as big a seller as everybody thinks. You could see Emmanuel Sanders moved, but, um, you know, they, they really can't afford to move anybody else. Uh, there was some, some stuff about Von Miller getting traded, which is absolutely ridiculous. That's not going to happen. First of all, they can't afford a, a $19 million dead cap right now. Uh, second of all, uh, they're not trading Von Miller. Um, Bradley Chubb, you know, just went out for the season. And, and Miller's kind of been the Broncos' identity for years. So that's not happening right now. Could happen, you know, after this season, but it's certainly not happening during the season. Uh, Chris Harris, they just spiffed him a bunch of money. So that'd be like throwing money away. I'm, I'm not sure that uh, that they would make that move. I think they'd keep him either way and just ride it out. Well, I mean, what, I'm sorry? What happened with the Chris Harris situation in that headline that came out? Was he trying to get moved? Was it just he was upset about the way the team was going and then people just started taking that? Like, it wasn't necessarily – Which specific headline? So with Chris Harris, there was a headline that came out like a week ago, and it's kind of the reason I reached out to you, where he was like, there was like rumors about him potentially getting traded, and he just straight up said, "I'm happy here, I'm good here, you know, there, you know, we we have a good relationship. It's not as big of a deal." Yeah, there was a little altercation in the locker room between him and another defensive player. They were just kind of chirping after the game, both of them frustrated. Um, and you know how it goes, man. When you first you talk about somebody not doing their job, and then uh, somebody, you know, says something snarky and, um, you know, it, it kind of, kind of goes from there. Uh, and that's what happened. There was a snarky thing. And then what Chris is like, well, you're only going to have to put up with me 13 more weeks anyway. And, uh, a reporter that honestly, not even a reporter, he's a columnist, wasn't supposed to be in there yet. I don't think, and, and overheard it. Um, and then kind of 
uh, wrote about it and made it seem like it was something that was said to him when it wasn't really. It was just two dudes kind of wolfing at each other after the game, and they're fine now. Both those guys are fine now. Um, it was just two guys frustrated at a loss at a game. They felt like they should have won. They had a lead. And, uh, you know, the second time that that defense had let down the offense, which is a reversal for this team um, in recent years, uh, in, in three games, you know, that, that defense had given up a, you know, had given up a game winning drive to an opposing team under two minutes, two out of the last three games. So uh, there was a little bit of finger pointing stuff going on, uh, but it wasn't as serious as it was made out to be. I think that's kind of a big issue with how much media and Twitter and, and you know how many reporters are in there. And I mean, like from the 49ers side, I think you know just as well as I do that even the 49ers have some pretty suspect beat writers at times. Uh, so I don't, yeah. I'm not surprised about that at all. Um, so then it kind of sounds like they're they're doing what we already kind of talked about is that they recognize that they're having some some bad luck going on four, but they still have a decent enough team to compete and win. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're a decent team. I mean, it's not like they're getting blown out in these games or anything. They're, they're playing these teams pretty tough. They're just not coming away with the W's right now. And, you know, they haven't had a turnover all season and the defense is designed to generate turnovers. And, you know, it's just been, it's just been frustrating. Um, it, it's it's interesting because the Broncos for the last five or six years have kind of been a defensive identity football team, um, but they're an offensive team now. Now that could change. Well, uh, part of it, I think Scangarello's offense is, uh, we saw what that did for Nick Mullins, you know. Um, I think Scangarello's offense is, uh, you know, is, is pretty good. I think it moves the ball effectively. Um, the, the problem with it is just because it's, I don't want to say I think a dunk offense because I don't like the connotation, but because it's an offense that uses a lot of plays to get from point A to point B, um, it puts you at risk of, of drawing penalties or having, uh, sacks allowed that put you behind schedule because it's a schedule, you know, schedule-based offense. And so, um, that was always the problem with Alex Smith, you know, Alex Smith's a hyper-efficient quarterback, but you, you kind of sort of have to have that if you have a schedule-based offense, because uh, so many things can go wrong. The more plays that you are utilizing to get to the end zone, the more something could go wrong, a penalty could get called, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I think that's the problem is Broncos kind of shot themselves in the foot here, there. And, you know, ultimately, um, it's just been, it's just been a bad, you know, kind of kind of situation for them where they're doing a lot of the right things. And then one thing puts them off track. Uh, sack takes them out of field goal range. Uh, ball slips out of hand, becomes a turnover. Uh, a holding call on a wide receiver on the backside of a run play to the end zone. Um, on a running play, you know, just just a lot of things that have pulled points off the board for them. Uh, drop touchdown in the end zone, those kinds of things. So, you know, I, I think the Broncos offense is actually pretty good. Um, like I said, they were fifth in the NFL in yards per drive. Um, and, and I think they're going to get better on that. Uh, and they played some pretty tough defenses. You know, uh, Oakland's defense isn't a joke anymore. The Bears defense, I think we all know how good that is. Uh, the Packers defense is very, very good. That's It's interesting because the Packers are kind of the anti-Broncos right now. They're a team that's, that's also shifting identity. They're becoming a defensive identity football team. Um, but the things mostly seem to be coming together for them a little bit earlier. Uh, I guess that helps when you've got an Aaron Rodgers. Um, but, you know, the Packers, they can't seem to score off script, you know. So I, I think I think with the Broncos. They only have a similar offensive scheme, too. Uh, sort of, yeah. It's all predicated off the wide zone to start. So, so yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I think that um, 
you know, in the end, I think the Broncos, when we're in week 10, we're going to be having a different conversation about this football team. It, it could be a 500 team by week 10. It's, it's feasible. Uh, I, I know that's a little rainbow and sunshine, you know, whatever. But um, I, I think you're ha- they're not they're 0-4, but they're not really an 0-4 team. Like the Bengals are bad. They're an 0-4 team. The Dolphins are bad. They're an 0-4 team. Um, but, you know, I look at this team and I'm like, this, this, this team would absolutely destroy either one of those two. Oh, absolutely. So, okay, so then with a team being where it's at, obviously maybe not looking to trade anybody on their, on their end, what about the other side of the spectrum? Are there any, tight, are there any positions uh, that they might be targeting in trade? Are there any you know, uh, specific things that they might be looking for in, in a trade? You know, I think draft picks is one of them, but I, I think if you're looking for positions, uh, you need an inside linebacker that's got some range and coverage ability. Uh, you know, Josie Jules a run funnel guy. Todd Davis is a downhill guy. Uh, Corey Nelson's really just a special teamer. Uh, Alexander Johnson's a base down guy. Um, they, they're trying to make Justin Hollins a thing, but he's a rookie. Uh, so it's it's just, you know, they just don't have the, the bodies at the inside linebacker. Uh, corner depth is perilous, perilously thin. I mean, Devontae Bosby is starting opposite Chris Harris. Um, so I, you know, I would think corners or inside linebackers, um, and then potentially uh, a left tackle. But I, I suspect that they'll go to the draft for that. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting thing. I'm, I'm very curious and excited to watch how the Broncos end up this year. Um, what are your thoughts so far? Uh, you know, obviously the the Rams play the Seahawks tonight. The NFC West is kind of kind of really basically a, a backyard brawl. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of the NFC West right now? Are the 49ers, are you, are you expecting that? Uh, how long are you expecting the, the undefeated uh, part of the season to continue? Well, I think that's the one area you don't want to get too caught up in. I thought the Niners were going to be a good football team. I thought they were a playoff football team. Um, I got the chance to see them come out here and practice a little bit, and that kind of affirmed that. But, um, I, you know, I think that you, the last thing you want to do is get caught up in the undefeated portion of it. Just keep stringing together wins, and you're going to find yourself in the playoffs. And then if you just keep stringing together wins, you're going to find yourself in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, you know, don't don't get caught up in, in milestones like that, because then that becomes the focus instead of, you know, just winning games, which is what kept everybody, you know, keeping loose and winning games which is what they've, they've been doing um I, I think the Niners are a good team uh, I think 12 and 4 is, is totally reasonable um I, you know I, I wouldn't be disappointed with 11 and 5 but tw- you know that I think that's their target and I think that wins them the division I think people have figured out Sean McVay uh, if you go back and look ever since the bye week last year Detroit sort of started laying the blueprint and Vic Fangio laid the blueprint in Chicago in that game and uh it, people have figured out that you know, the Sean McVay offense, and they really haven't recovered. Jared Goff is the third lowest quarterback rating uh, of any quarterback since that time to Josh Allen and uh, I think Sam Darnold. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, you're going to have a battle with Seattle. My apologies for the rhyme, but um, I think that I, I think that's really, I think, I think the three teams, you know, you're going to have some of them cannibalize. Somebody's going to cannibalize the other one there. And then you go from there. I, I think Seattle's the toughest matchup for, uh, for the Niners, to be honest with you, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I don't like the Rams defense this year. I don't particularly care for their offense, the way they're doing things. They're going to have to make some adjustments and they just haven't done that. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I'm uh, I'm going to the Rams Niners game here in LA. And I remember at the beginning of the season when it was planned out, I was like, that's going to suck to watch them if they lose. And I feel pretty good about it right now. Um, you know, another thing, too, uh, the 
49ers look like they're going to have their first official test. I mean, I can't, you know, every any given Sunday, any football game's hard, but they're going to be playing, you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, a very strong defense, um, you know, Od- Odell Beckham Jr., and Nick Chubb, who's looking to be one of the best running backs in the NFL currently. What are your thoughts on how that game plays out? I think you're going to have to get at Baker early, uh, put him in the dirt early. Uh, he's one of those quarterbacks you can rattle a little bit. Uh, I, I would suggest that, you know, if you're the Niners, you might even consider a, a personal foul or a roughing penalty. You know, if you can get to him early, put put some dirt on his uniform. Um, that passing game has just been disjointed this year, and you don't want it to get on track. So go in there early and hit him, hit him hard early. That'll slow him down. Defensively, you just got to put that pass rush at bay. Um, they're a little thin in the secondary. Um, and you know, if you can, uh, if you can survive that pass rush, I, I'm not saying go max protect, but kind of, uh, a lot of two route, you know, stuff that might help you out and, and avoiding that miles Garrett's a monster. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think, um, I think you can come away with the win, just run some two route stuff, you know, and, and play the high, low game and, and then you can come away with the win. Yeah. Well, Nick Bosa is officially not on the injury report for the first time since the beginning of the year. So. We're hoping to see a fully healthy Bosa. Um, let's see see what happens with Ford, and then obviously we've got Buckner ready to go. I appreciate you for coming on. You know, I, I knew that what we wanted to cover was going to be quick, so I really do appreciate that. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, thank you for telling you know giving us an opinion on all things NFL. As he said earlier, plenty of ways to find him. Uh, if you can get just go ahead one more time, where to find you on Twitter? And I think iHeartRadio is the main place, right? Yeah, if you want to hear the uh, sound of my voice and, you know, uh, it's good for waking children up from their naps, um, you can find me on the iHeart app. You can search uh, KOA or Broncos Country tonight, although we, we, we tend to cover the league more than just the Broncos. And then, uh, you know, obviously on Twitter at Albright NFL. Oh, thank you so much for coming on, Ben. I really appreciate talking to you, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we have – Oh boy, an amalgamation tonight uh, of so many great people, uh, but it is 49ers Browns week, so no better uh, to have on the pod than some of my favorite 49ers people. As always, Scott is joining me. Uh, you guys, you know Scott very well, fake Scott Young on Twitter, uh, and then of course Akash with Niners Nation. He is one of the writers who actually started with 49ers Hub. What up, Akash? How you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm well, man. I want. I'm glad we could have you on here. And then, of course, the man of the hour. Uh, you know, we are playing the Browns, so my favorite Browns Twitter follower, and I mean that sincerely, Jeff Lloyd. How you doing? Um, I'm good. I, I'm just. I'm getting tired of these late waiting. You know, Sunday night, Monday night games. It's. It, it's, it gets a little frustrating because, you know, everybody else is kind of like licking their chops here as the weekend's coming. And for us, it's like, all right, we'll get through the weekend and get through Monday, yawn. And then, you know, let's get to it already. I know. Absolutely. And I don't know about, I mean, obviously you've got the East Coast, so you're a little more situated. But, like, I'm out of work at 5. So whenever I have, like, a Sunday night, you know, like a Monday night game or a Thursday night game, I'm, like, Trying, just yep. rushing in downtown LA. So I'm getting through downtown LA as much as humanly possible. So Jeff, real quick before we get started, obviously tell the people uh, where they can find you. Obviously, you know, Locked On Podcast is something that I'd love you to kind of give your little two cents on what you're doing over there, and every every other which way to follow you. 
Um, with the Lockdown Podcast Network, we're now, whether it's NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and actually just launched uh, NHL this week as the, the season beginning, um, you've tried to have every team covered. Um, and our goal is your team every day. And by every day, it's, it's five to seven shows a week. Um, most weeks, um, seven, if not more, if the opportunity arises and it's a good you know talking point. I'm going to jump on it. I had a former Niner defensive back, uh, Eric Davis, on today. His people reached out to me. You know, we got to sit down, talk for 30 minutes. He gave me a lot of stuff great 49er-wise, a lot of stuff great on his career there. Uh, just trying to, you know, put out good content every day. And if you have the opportunity to get some great conversation, by all means, go ahead and do it. And, you know, with this Browns product here, it's when I – joined over two years ago you know it was in the midst of an 0-16 season and starting to see the fruits of the labors and everything starting to come together it's been a blast so you know at locked on browns on social media at me personally at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd uh just long for a fun ride and just you know see where it you know where it's headed definitely man and you know i gotta say from from one uh underperforming team to another I think we, we share something uh, deeply in pain and sadness and all of that in hype. You know, as a 49ers fan, I tell people all the time what it was like to go all year long watching uh, Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard lose games for the 49ers just to get Jimmy Garoppolo and have him come in and win five games and everything's amazing. And you go to the biggest hype machine of offseason just to have him tear his ACL and have to go that entire year of more waiting as if I did the year before and constantly just waiting, knowing that you've got a great defense and great offensive weapons and just kind of waiting. And I think you did that for two years, the Jackson era. Uh, you know, you finally got your team. Tell us a little bit about that hype train that's kind of taking you into the offseason and the regular season and what it's like, you know, having the ups and downs so far in the season. Well, you know, when you finish your season seven, eight, and one, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, nobody saw that coming. And you went from zero wins to seven wins. And this is stuff we had talked about on the show. That's the easy part is going from zero to going to middle of the road franchise. The difficult part is going from middle of the road franchise to division winner, playoff contender, all of those things. But then you look at what they did. You bring in Sheldon Richardson, a former defensive rookie of the year, uh, obviously a pro bowler at defensive tackle. You trade for Olivier Vernon on your defensive line, who was another former pro bowler and obviously a great pass rusher. You make the move for Odell Beckham, you know, one of the games, you know, however you want to argue it, top six, seven wide receivers in the league. And you bring all of that into some things that you were doing well the year before. The hitch was going to be, it was going to be a new head coach. It was going to almost be an entirely new coaching staff. So there's going to be some, you know, meshing as far as all of that was worked. Um, Look, the Tennessee game, nobody saw it coming. And that's kind of the thing when teams get hyped up and the Browns get on the cover of the Sports Illustrated preview issue, those types of things. And when, look, it was 15-13 with 17 minutes to go in the game. Um, Baker, when Baker, he has bad moments and he hit one in the Tennessee game, three interceptions real quick. Tennessee came back, you know, they just kind of, all of a sudden it was like a blitzkrieg. It's over. That was it. And they got their doors blown off, got back on their feet versus the jets, played the Rams really tough while decimated by injuries, 
went to Baltimore, uh, got the offense a little bit more right, and threw up 40. There's there's a lot here, and for the first time when I've ever talked about this franchise we're covering it is you have a quarterback. you got playmakers at the wide receiving position. You've got a running back. You've got some tight ends, even though David Njoku's out, who can do some things. The offensive line, they just need to play average. The defensive line, a really, really great group. You have a great middle linebacker in Joe Schobert. You have a rookie in Mac Wilson trying to find his way. A secondary, which if the health comes, they're really, really deep everywhere. It's it, it's it's a complete roster. Obviously, it's going to take you know some tweaking as far as that and the coaching to mesh right. But the, uh, all the pieces are in place now for this franchise. The question is, is can they just, you know, make it taste good, essentially, at the end, you know, as any chef would do. Can the final product taste good? But on paper, and as far as through four games, yeah, there's been some missteps. But as far as the overall product, it should be really good. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, right, on paper – that roster with all the additions should be good. But one of the biggest changes in the offseason, as we know, is the hiring of a brand new head coach, Freddie Kitchens. And so after a few weeks, it seemed like everyone in the media was coming, coming for his job, right? It seemed like he was on the hot seat. And so what have you thought of his performance after, after four weeks? I think it was like, essentially it was slow in the beginning and look, and this is going to happen when you have a guy like Odell, What's the first thing you're going to do is, ooh, how do we, you know, how do we use Odell? What do we do with Odell? And they got away from what they were in 2018, which made them so successful down the stretch, which got Freddie this job, which was in the passing game, get rid of the ball quickly. And it didn't matter if you were the third, fourth, fifth wide receiver. If you were open on your route, you got the ball. What if you were running back, they audible to a run. They had confidence in everything. They would get, you know, you would get the call. That wasn't a lot that was going on in you know the first three weeks. Um, the motion, the misdirection, the and almost like sometimes it's like nonsense. I would call it because you you know you're running all this motion, which essentially means nothing, but you're doing it just to confuse the defense. They got back to that week four against Baltimore. Um, it obviously worked, and it worked really really well. And Freddie got a little bit more comfortable. You know, the problem is, is with Freddie having an offensive coordinator, he was that guy down the stretch last year. He had nobody else to answer to because the offensive coordinator had been fired. The head coach had been fired. They were the offensive guys. He was dealing, you know, he worked a little bit with Ken Zampezi, who was the quarterback coach. But essentially it was all his. Now he's trying to integrate Todd Munkin and his concept. And a lot of that is deep passing plays which only really benefits Odell Beckham Jr. It does not benefit Jarvis Landry. They got back a little bit more to Baker gets the ball. Baker finds somebody open. Baker releases the ball, which led to a lot of explosive plays, which led to a lot of yards after catch. And that is more of what they need to be because the offensive line is an elite at the tackle position. The interior position is pretty good. So just getting back to what you know and what you're comfortable with, and that's what they found, and that was the key to the success in beating Baltimore last week. Now, Jeff, you kind of mentioned it with uh, talking about the strengths along the offensive line. 
And at, at least for me, I think the Browns have one of the sneakily best rosters on the in the NFL right now. Uh, what what are your what matchups are you looking forward to seeing uh, when these two teams come together? Well, I think the biggest advantage the Browns are going to have is obviously with Joe Staley being out and for six weeks, it does seem a little weird that Mike McGlinchey isn't going to at least get some left tackle look here. Um, but I guess if you feel he's fully entrenched, um, the one thing we say about Miles, and this is what they, the Browns didn't do last year. They did it his rookie year. His rookie year, they moved him around. You know, he'd line up over a, a guard. He'd line up on both sides as a defensive end. They didn't do that last year. And that was Greg Williams. Just go, you know, battle the left tackle. This year, they've done that. I don't think they're going to do that so much this week. Um, you know, Justin's cool out of Vanderbilt, undrafted rookie. Um, an impressive athlete, um, still not put together yet. Um, you're going to put Miles out there, and obviously he's going to need help, which will limit, hopefully, George Kittle in the passing game because he's going to be in the chip, maybe double team, because you know Miles can wreck anyone's afternoon or anyone's evening. He, he is that good of a player. And the other one is I don't know how this defense necessarily – they've had issues with Odell Beckham Jr. in the past. Richard Sherman, while he was in San Francisco, the zone coverage isn't always the best thing for Odell because to succeed against zone coverage, you want completions and yak. Um, every now and then, there's guys that can blow your zone apart. Odell is capable of that. The, between Odell and Miles Garrett, who were two of the top five players on this Cleveland Browns roster, there's matchups that favor those two. If the Browns can exploit those matchups, that's enough to win it. You know, the, the, when you're supposed to be a good team, you go week in, week out, and you have good players who can win it. Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb won it for you this, you know, last week. Odell Beckham Jr., Miles Garrett can win it for the Browns this week. Um, but of course, there's always the, you know, the counter and, you know, how each team's adjust and what they do. But those are two favorable matchups for me right now. I don't know how they're going to essentially deal with Odell with the injuries in their secondary and miles Garrett, his matchup is really, really juicy. And the thing is, even if you put two and you have the running back chip on miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, Olivier Vernon, they get their share of straight one-on-ones. They're good enough players that they're going to win some of those. Yeah, man. And I think that it's, it's interesting, right? It almost feels like you're kind of you're look. These teams are kind of looking in a mirror, right? There's a lot of injuries, young quarterbacks, uh, learning new offenses, yada yada yada. I think what we're kind of talking about here is what we could expect on Monday or on Sunday, you know, Monday. Excuse me. Um, is just an ass kicking on both sides. You talked a little bit about the individual matchups that you'll get from people double teaming some of your better defensive players, and it's really what you're looking at when you get the 49ers, right? You're going to double-team or Nick Bosa. You're going to double-team uh, Forrest Buckner. That's going to leave open Eric Armstead, who's had a great year so far. It's going to leave open Solomon Thomas, who might play. I'm not sure. Um, it's going to leave open, <laughs> you know, it's going to leave, leave open a D4. And we've had a week to get healthy, uh, which is obviously important. What do you think on your side of the ball what, what are you most worried about? Like, I, you know, what, what, is, what is going to be the biggest damage here? Who do you think is going to take the biggest, you know, body blows? 
Um, the offensive line, they, they've got to do what they did last week. Baker Mayfield got sacked to end the first position of the uh, first possession of the game last week. That was it. Never got touched again the entire game. Um, you know, a spade's a spade. Baker is not a big quarterback. Uh, he cannot deal with a lot of chaos in the pocket or around the throwing point. It's just not his game. Um, and this is a way a lot of these guys are now coming to the NFL from all the spread that's being done is you keep them clean. They're going to put up numbers. Um, like you said, yeah, there are some, I mean, and this is one thing I keep saying with this matchups. When I talk with Brian Peacock, I talk with uh, you know former 49er Eric Davis today. It's, it's going to be about D line play. Um, you know, and some people putting, you know, trying to put the pressure on me. The Browns have a great defensive line. The 49ers have a great defensive line. I think it's going to be about which one can do the more damage. And I'm talking maybe strip sacks. I'm talking overall sacks. Which defensive line can make the biggest of plays? Fortunately for Baker, the Browns are strong on the interior. And that's what you want for a quarterback who is shorter. Because you want him to at least be able to step up in the pocket and be able to have all his vision there. If he's getting beat on the outside, and he's either got a turn away that limits him to a third of the field, either right or left. It's limiting what he can see. If he can step up in the pocket, he can still see everything. Um, will he continue with the, you know, take what's open, take what's given to him? And this is one of the things with Baker. Like we, I talk about this a lot with, you know, in the baseball reference of take your walks. You know, take the chippy three or four yards. That's fine. Even if it's on second and six, whatever. Give yourself more and more life. Don't try to roll out right and then end up throwing a ball 20 yards down the field where it's a jump ball on the sidelines. The ball ends up out of the field. Give yourself the best opportunity to put plays, you know, stack them together. You know, positive plays, positive yardage. The It's, you know, Nick Bosa obviously versus Greg Robinson is going to be interesting. Greg's a veteran. Uh, you know, Nick is still kind of learning the pro game kind of on the fly because he's a little little limited this summer. D Ford, questionable. I guess it's going to be all week is pretty much the way San Francisco made the way the way they made it sound, which usually means we're not telling anybody, but he's going to play on Monday night. Basically, he's, um, he's injured all week long and then he plays. It's going to happen. Well, exactly. Well, once he once he get that nice check, it's, you know, I'll see you on game day. Um, but, you know. It, it, Greg Robinson isn't the issue. Chris Hubbard on the right side, that's the questionable mark. But at least you get a little bit better feeling of it because at least Baker sees that. Um, the blind side is what you would worry about. But, you know, I, you know, Nick Bosa is going to be a fantastic player. But Greg Robinson, will, you know, he's good enough. He's not elite. He's not great. He's good enough. And I'm sure I'll have a trick or two that Nick Bosa is probably not ready for. So one of the things you had brought up were the injuries, right? So looking through just the Browns' participation report this week, their list of players that aren't playing or are limited just seemed to be long. And so guys like you know Jarvis Landry, who had the concussion, both starting corners, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, out with a hamstring injury. You know, safety Morgan Burnett, Rashard Higgins, and the list just goes on. So are there any key injuries that hurt more than the other? Is there, like, one that's like, oh, man, I wish he was playing Monday? Um, the key probably for me would be Jarvis Landry. If Jarvis Landry can go, because now Rashard Higgins is back practicing. 
Antonio Callaway is back from his suspension. Baker has not had all four of his wide receivers at any point this summer. Because even during the preseason games, Odell didn't play. Jarvis didn't play. So if he has all four of them, it, it's, it should be interesting. Because the thing with Jarvis Landry now, with Odell here, he can do all the stuff you expect from an X, an outside wide receiver. He can do all the deep routes. Obviously, we know Odell can do the short routes. If you can get Landry to either between the hashes or working a third of the field, the hash to the sideline on either side, that's where Jarvis Landry wins. Jarvis Landry is not going to beat you down the field because even if he wins an initial break, he's not the fastest guy in the world. DBs can recover. But he can beat you with by dropping a step, whether it's an out route, a slant, an in, a stop. He's quicker than he is fast. And then you bring in a Callaway who can challenge you deep. Rashard Higgins is kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. If they have all four of them, th- that's what should have been where people were saying, oh, maybe Baker could throw for 5,000. Maybe Baker could contend for MVP of this year. That is the key to it all. And then that just makes it easier for Nick Chubb because how many guys can you put in the box when they can put out four wide receivers who last year in the NFL, every one of the four – had 550 yards receiving plus. It really, really challenges and limits what you can do as far as the defense. So Jarvis would be the key. They haven't had Greedy or Denzel Ward for the last two weeks. They held up really well against the Rams. They held up really well against the Ravens. Um, it's this, I, I, I mean, I would almost say, give me one of these corners back for this week because uh, the Niners do have some shifty receivers who can catch the short stuff. They can do some yak. I'd like one of them this week, but, you know, Terrence Mitchell's been in this league for a long time. TJ Carey has been in this league for a long time. They normally play three safeties anyway because they play the big nickel. I'd love to have one. I'd love to have both of them back. But if they don't, they've already played a complete two games without these guys and have played pretty well and held up pretty well as a defense. My gut is you're not going to see Denzel Ward or Greedy Williams because the talk from the coaching staff seems like, their target date is the following Sunday against Seattle. Um, but they've done really well to this point. Um, Morgan Burnett coming back helps a little bit because Eric Murray, you can kind of move him around. He can maybe go to a nickel corner spot when he does play some nickel safety. It, it gives him flexibility. They're deep in the secondary. And I'll be honest, the fact that if you had told me Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams were going to miss two straight weeks together, I figured there would have been two losses where they got humiliated. Um, but the veterans have held it together to this point. Now, you kind of mentioned it that, you know, with the injuries comes the next up mentality, that kind of thing. Um, are there any depth guys or any players that you haven't seen much from uh, in the season thus far that you think could have like a breakout game or a game where they kind of make a name for themselves. Well, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, deep rosters, you know, you expect everybody to be able to do some things. Um, you know, Mac Wilson is a starting linebacker as a fifth round pick. They drafted Sione Takitaki in the third round. He's barely done anything at this point. Um, Sione Takitaki. That's a great name. I've actually gotten pretty good with it, actually. Um, Shelzer Gredwine, um, safety out of Miami. They drafted him in the fourth round. Um, he's barely gotten any time as well. 
Um, the key for them, honestly, it, it's, you know, like, you know, unknown names is Austin Seibert has been fantastic. And we talked over the summer, we thought maybe the only reason he won the kicking job is because they put a fifth round pick on him, but he missed his first extra point. He has not missed a kick to this point. As far as kickoffs, it's he's got like this inactability where he plants the ball right around the one yard line where it makes it difficult for the return man to make the decision of am I in the end zone? Am I out of the end zone? Uh, a lot of the Browns opponents on kickoffs are starting the ball at about the 18, 19, 20 yard line because he's able to do that. Um, the punter, Jamie Gilliam, the Scottish hammer, he was the uh, AFC special teams rookie of the month. Um, his punts are in the air forever when he needs to obliterate the zone. Like if he's punting from his own 16, he will blast one 65 yards. Like it, it's been the rookie specialists who have been key for them right now. And it's weird to say it because with this team, as much talent as they have kind of everywhere, it's the rookie specialists have done a really, really nice job. And it's all about this, you know, exactly like someone said before, next man up. Do your job, do your role, and they've done really well with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, once again, I know I've already said it, but it really is, I, I hear you talking about the Browns, and, and I, I have similar thoughts about the 49ers and their depth and some of the younger guys. And my God, did you say his last name was Red Wine? Yes, it is. They have a Kush and a, they have a Kush and a Red Wine on this roster, guys. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, so, you know, all of this is good and well, but at the end of the day, everything goes through the quarterback, and I think we know that just as well as you know that. Baker Mayfield, really similar situation to, to Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm seeing a lot of pay, parallels here. He came in in his rookie season, didn't get to start the first, what, four games because Hugh Jackson's a dumbass, and then he comes out and breaks the rookie record for touchdowns. So you go into that thinking, oh, my God, we're going to the Super Bowl, right? You know, Ryan Burns, great follow, right? We talked about uh, he's talking so much shit on Twitter, and I was right there with him. I got it. Like, I was a Browns fan. <laughs> Literally, I, I liked the Browns as a team, and I was rooting for them until they got hype. And then I was like, well, wait, well, fuck these guys. But so you go into the season, and then Baker's kind of, you know, he's hot and cold. He's really obviously not the guy that broke the rookie record. What is that? Do you think it's – is it the lack of having the stability at the receiver position? Is he just getting comfortable? What are you expecting for the rest of the season with Baker? Oh, I, 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 the one thing you don't worry about Baker Mayfield is his confidence level. And the thing is and, – and it gets weird, you know, with the social media, but everything. But Baker is, like, everything you think you want your franchise quarterback to be. If our offense didn't play well, it's my fault. If our offense did play well, hey, all these guys made a ton of plays today. That is what you want your guy to be. Um, did it help that all these articles and all this national media showed up for OTAs and every day at training camp? No, it didn't. Did it help that the Browns were on the cover of the Sports Illustrated football preview? No. Because, look, there's no way you can slice it, you know, and everybody, oh, well, this doesn't affect them. Nobody sees that. You do. You're not – Foolish. I mean, it's you can't escape that. Um, I think part of it was is I don't think they did themselves any favor by Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. 
watching this preseason, at least go out there, get your feet wet, get some live competition. Practice is not the same thing. Even these joint practices, get some reps, just something where you at least have a little of, you know, live bullets, so to speak, where you're comfortable with each other. That was probably something I guarantee you they would say, all right, if we could change one thing, we would do that over. Um, I have zero concerns about Baker because this is the era, and this is why it's okay to be a six-foot quarterback. It doesn't matter on the size anymore. You get to the line of scrimmage, and if the play call gets you to the line of scrimmage with 10 seconds before you have to snap it, and this is kind of another thing that hindered them the first few weeks is they were getting the line of scrimmage with three seconds. There's not much, adjust, much adjusting you can do. And guess what? If you're snapping the ball at one second, these D, D linemen aren't stupid. They can read the they can read the clocks. Get yourself enough time. Get to the line of scrimmage. Make the adjustments you need to make to, okay, guess what? Number 81, the slot to the right will be open on his route. Here comes the snap. Bing, bang, boom. And a lot of it is get to the ball to the playmaker. Hopefully he makes the play. And they're going to continue to do that. They're going to have them going to get closer to hopefully this week the full arsenal. And if they do, it'll just make it easier and easier for them. And like some of the Niner fans and this happened when I did a, the crossover episode with Brian Peacock is always oh, sounds really cocky. No, it's not that I'm sounding cocky. It'll be an F up if they don't get this right. If they don't win the AFC North, something will have to gone really, really wrong. Or they will have really, really had to F this up to not win the AFC North. There's just too much talent here, especially now that Ben Roethlisberger is gone. Cincinnati is flaming hot dog crap. And Lamar Jackson, you still do not know what he is as a passer yet. Everybody got really excited because they beat the living snot out of Miami and Arizona. Uh, they couldn't beat Kansas City. Kansas City's defense isn't very good. They, play, they face Cleveland with two cornerbacks out and a bunch of people out, and they couldn't get it done. This should be an easy 10-6, 11-5 win the AFC North. Otherwise, it's been a colossal F-up. Yeah, and I think the sentiment is somewhat similar here with the 49ers too, especially with their with their start, right? The expectations seem to be sky high. And, and switching gears a little bit here to – to the 49ers, uh, you know, Scott, Evan, and I uh, write and talk about the Niners just year-round. So we have some guys on the roster that are our favorites. But for you, scouting from the Browns' perspective, is there a guy both on defense and offense that just scares you? What? And I talked about this actually with Brian Peake. I kind of talked about this with Eric Davis today. Is The scary part about the offense is you don't really know what's coming. There's a lot of balance. You got two running backs with with 250 yards or more. Then you've got another running back who's got four rushing touchdowns. Um, Kittle is eventually going to get his against somebody. Right now, averaging only 55 yards receiving a game. Um, obviously, some of that is due to Joe Staley, and you know George Kittle is such a good blocker. You maybe will have to keep him in a little bit more. Um, the wide receiving core, if you're defending it, it's almost a mystery at this point. You don't know which one is the one that's going to hurt you. And this is good for San Francisco, and this is obviously definitely what Kyle Shanahan wants. You, you don't know exactly where it's coming from. 
And that's the difficult part when you're, you know, obviously game planning or scheming offensively. Maybe what maybe concerns me is just the fact that of the unknown, because there's you don't put a focus anywhere until maybe you have to. And guess what? It, did that have to already bite you in the ass or already beat you bad? Um, there is no doubt about it. It's the defensive line that is the concern here for the Cleveland Browns offense. That is what the concern is. It's it's four good guys. It goes six deep. There is talent everywhere. If this offensive line cannot at least be adequate, and that's all they really need to be, but if they can't be adequate, and look, this San Francisco defensive line can certainly be adequate. There's no doubt about it. If they win, that'll be the end. This is going to be the key to the game is which defensive line, in my opinion, does more. And you can, it's a, you can flip a coin either way. Either defensive line could be the – you know, it wouldn't shock me if it was San Francisco. It wouldn't shock me if it was Cleveland's. Now, to change it up a little bit, uh, you 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 use this word in a different way, but I'm going to change kind of change it up a little bit. Um, just now, when you were talking about the unknowns of the game, now looking at how the season started for the Browns, like they had all of the hype in the world, it was very similar to the 49ers last year uh, before Jimmy before his ACL. Um, having the start that they've had, what kind of, like, not even looking at Baker, because like you said, he is as confident as you can get, but how does, how do you see the rest of the team reacting to the start and, uh, how do you see them adjusting to it down the, down the road? Well, it was really easy when you saw the way the schedule was put out. The Browns have the most friendly second half schedule going. They still have the Cincinnati Bengals twice. They have the Miami Dolphins. They have the Arizona Cardinals. They have the Pittsburgh Steelers two more games. The second half was really, really juicy, so to speak. Just really crazy easy. Um, you know, obviously Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is good, but they're always right on that eight and eight, nine and seven threshold. Obviously the Rams. You guys, you know all about them. Um, the Jets. I thought it was going to be an easy one regardless, all the nonsense that went on with Sam Darnold and the motto and the craziness of that. Um, but then you got now here, now in the next three games, you have obviously the 49ers and 3-0. You have the Seahawks. And then you have the New England Patriots. But after that, it's kind of like take the pedal off the metal. It's So to, to get through these first couple of weeks, even if it's 3-3, three and three, even if it were to got to be two and four, or if it's four and two, there are a lot, a lot of layups coming after this. So just battle, do the best you can. And the thing is, is you want to kind of get these battle wounds in now, whether you win, whether you lose, because a lot of these games on the second half of the slate, they're not difficult. So you want to try to test your metal early. It's weird because most teams are testing their medal in you know late November, in December. The Browns, that's not going to be the opportunity for them because it, it, there's a you know a lot of passing, a lot of layups late in the season. So see where you're at now, and then you know this team is still going to add Kareem Hunt for Week Ten against Buffalo. So just get through this tough part. The key was to get through this at least a minimum five hundred. 
and I think they get a good shot to win that. I ain't gonna lie. They've become look. They've all become arrogant, and I can't blame them though. But listen to me. There's a whole bunch of Lombardi trophies in the San Francisco 49ers headquarters. The Browns fans right now, they've always been loyal, 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 loyal. But the thing now is, is they are loyal as hell, and they actually have some hope. And they haven't had that in ages. So you can't blame them. I mean, it's like, you know, it's kind of like Friday night. You get a haircut. You you trim up the beard. You trim up the facial hair, and you're going out of the town. You feel good about yourselves. That's where every Browns fan is right now. No, and I get it. Like I said, it's it's easy to root for the team. It's it's easy to want them to be successful because of the fans. The fans have gone through hell. They've gone through Hugh Jackson. You know, it's it's been a lot from Brandon Whedon to uh, Johnny Manziel. Yeah, it's it's been some time. So Monday night, give me a prediction. What do you think? What do you think the score is? What do you think the outcome is? I think this is going to be. I think it's going to be a field goal game either way. Um, they they come for me with torches if I didn't think the Browns were going to pull, pull this off. Um, I think Jarvis Landry is a key. If they get Jarvis Landry, it makes it a lot easier for them. If they don't, it's going to be a little bit tougher road. I just I don't think, and maybe this because you know the Monday night game against the Jets wasn't going to do it. Not enough people saw the one o'clock game against the Ravens. If this team is, if they do what they're supposed to do, I think they will win this game. Um, you know, and this is one thing I talked about with Eric Davis today is, you know, as much as, you know, people want to say, oh, well, nobody knows anything about Baker Mayfield yet. I'm pretty sure Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo have either started the same amount of games or Jimmy has started less. We don't necessarily know what either quarterback is yet. Um, but of course, I'll say what 27 24 Browns win. But you know, and I felt good last week, and people were weird like, I don't understand why you're feeling like I was pro the Browns last week. I knew the offense was there, it was eventually going to find its way. The key will be to stringy string it together again for another week. But I mean, there's just too much talent there to not think they can't get it done. Absolutely. Um, me personally, I'm pretty straightforward. I know, I think it's, it, whoever wins is going to win decidedly. I don't think it's going to be uh, really, I don't think it's going to be close. I think whoever wins is going to really put it on them. So I'm going to say 35-29ers. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of sacks in this game total on both sides. Uh, on top of that, we will go to a cost. You want to give us a, a quick prediction? Yeah, so I think the matchup to watch here is going to be the 49ers defense against Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had three touchdowns last week. 49ers rushing defense hasn't given up a score yet. And so something's got to give this week. And I think the 49ers rushing defense holds up again. I think they win big. I think they've got the extra week. They've Browns traveling cross country. Uh, it just seems to be in favor of San Francisco. I'm going to go 27-17 49ers. And then what about you, Scott? Finish it off. 
Uh, I think whoever is going to win will be the team that executes their play action pass of of um, of preference. So I'm going to say 28-21 Niners. All right. Well, Jeff, I can't thank you enough for having you come on. And honestly, the, the Niners and the Browns don't really play each other that often, so I guess it's a long time coming. But I really appreciate you. You guys can find Jeff on Twitter. He's a great follow whether you're a Browns fan or not. Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. As always, uh, Locked on Browns, you'll be able to find him there, and you're going to be able to find him on this podcast. Jeff, thank you so, so much for coming on, man. Uh, anytime, guys. You know that. Any uh, any other places we can find you? Anything else to look out for? Uh, the last thing I need in my life is more work. So hopefully for now, this is just it. <laughs> well, that's enough. You, I mean, five, seven podcasts a week, that's a lot. Uh, final parting words from Akash. Scott, anything I missed? No, just thank you for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you Proud me. Ah, no problem at all, fellas. That's all. All right. Well, Akash, once again, you can find him on Niners Nation. Akash, uh, anything you'd like to promote before we dip out? Uh, nothing. I just appreciate 49ers Hub for having me on. I, I started out here, so I always love coming back and uh, talking 49ers football with you guys. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on, man. It was a pleasure. Oh, you, anything for you, Evan. You know that, bud.